Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to another week of our podcast, Growing Deeper. My name is Ross Furio. I'm here with Mike Holly. We're both pastors at Bluff Park United Methodist Church in Hoover, Alabama, and uh, we're really glad that you're tuned in and listening to us this week. Very good, and welcome back. We are on episode 11 of the Grow Deeper podcast, and uh, we focus on ideas, scriptures, or deep questions about what it means to uh, grow past where we are now in life and in faith. And we talk about that from a personal uh, perspective as well as from sort of a community perspective for churches or other groups. Yep. We're just doing our best to try and uh, grow ourselves, right? I mean, I certainly know I need to grow, but also just have conversations around various topics, scriptures, stories, stuff like that, that, uh, that we think will maybe spark a curiosity in you or maybe even lead you uh, to your own season of growth. Yeah. And, and the whole idea is the more that we talk about this and the more you think about it, God may open up ideas, pathways, or That's doors right. for you to take those next steps. Uh, and uh, if you want to know more about what it means to sort of make a plan for growth in your life, go back to some earlier episodes if you haven't listened to them yet, because we give you an excellent pathway That's right. for that. That's right. And if you want to know what not to do, you can listen to our little sub-series on Jonah that we just finished up, because I think that's a great example of uh, if you are not interested in growth at all, and you want to resist that and that work that God's trying to do in your life, then listen, Jonah is a great guy to mimic if that's what you're going for. There, there you go. And, and Jonah, who would have known life lessons and leadership from a story about a dude and a whale? Listen, the book is named after him, and uh, Jonah ain't nothing to write home about. Uh, <laughs> and this week, uh, it was Mike's idea. He thought maybe we could spend, I don't know, maybe we'll spend around two weeks talking about Timothy. Uh, of course, Timothy was someone who Paul ha- was pouring into throughout his ministry. Right. So Timothy, we find in the book of Acts, is someone that uh, Paul encounters. He's already a Christian. He is a a son of a Greek father and a Jewish mother. Timothy is. Yes, Timothy okay. is. Yep. And, um, and so Timothy is this person that seems to have uh, a deep faith. He seems to have skills. Uh, he seems to have the kind of gifts that Paul uh, sees would be beneficial in leadership in the church. Right. Uh, and along the way, what we find with Timothy is that it could be part of his um, skill set isn't really inside of him, but it's who he is. He is the son of a Greek father and the son of a Jewish mother. He's got both those worlds that he is in, and he could uh, relate to people who are Gentile. Mm. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense for Paul to be drawn to Timothy because just like Paul, right, I'm sure Timothy had this kind of Jewish grounding in yep. a sense, right? but felt a connection to the Gentiles, right? Because, of course, that was Paul's ministry. Remember, Paul, Paul was Jewish. Paul was a Jew of all Jews who was called by God to take the gospel to the Gentiles, to the Greeks. And then here you have Timothy— He's got a foot in each boat, right? That's right. And so in, Timothy has this deep faith already before Paul meets him, as I mentioned, because his mother and his grandmother, apparently, were the, were the saints in his life that led him to faith in Jesus and who encouraged him to continue growing. You're here for strong women of the faith, right? <laughs> That's right. We don't hear much about his dad in terms of his spiritual grounding, right? but we do hear about the women in his life who 
uh, he he really is brought to a greater version of himself by their mentorship and their love and guidance. I don't think I ever knew that about Timothy. That's that's really interesting. Yeah. So Timothy is somebody that that again Paul finds and and he 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 kind of takes under his wing. He becomes a mentor uh, to to Timothy, and there are uh, scriptures where we see that sort of unfolding. However, once you get to the pastoral letters, which are some of the letters written uh, in the later version or later part, excuse me, of the New Testament, you see Paul writing to churches, to pastors, to people in churches, and sort of guiding them along in what it means to be the church. And I think, aren't the pastoral letters 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus? Mm-hmm. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, Timothy becomes such a key player, at least in Paul's vision for future ministry, that we got we got two letters from right. Paul two. With, with Timothy's name all over them. And, and so what we thought was is that if this is somebody that Paul has mentored right, and he is continuing to mentor, not only that, he leaves Timothy in charge of a church mm-hmm. and becomes not only a mentor but a supervisor, right? And, and basically his, his, his encourager but also his sounding board for how to live a good life how to lead well, and how to continue growing. He's a perfect person to kind of look at in the vein of our podcast, Growing Deeper. Yeah, yeah. I think he's a great person to, uh, you know, kind of like I said, maybe do one or two weeks. We'll kind of see where it goes. But do a little case study on Timothy and just some of the some of the direction that Paul gives him in his life and his ministry and in his leadership, um, especially as Timothy seems to be one of those people that uh, has a lot of gifts but maybe doesn't have a ton of experience, especially as he kind of begins leading churches. And to see where Paul pushes him and nudges him uh, as someone who is still trying to figure out how to, how to do this thing as far as being a leader and being a Christian. Exactly. And, and like uh, Ross said, we, we typically, well, <laughs> typically because we've only done one series on uh, a biblical book like Jonah, but we did essentially about a chapter a week or a chapter right. an episode. Right. For Timothy, we're not going to do that. We're not going to walk through everything that's in First and Second Timothy. However, there are some things that would really push you in terms of your understanding of church, uh, deep questions about who can be in leadership and not, uh, you know, why we have so many different kinds of leaders within churches. All of that is sort of contained within this, but there are not a lot of clear guidelines as to what that looks like now in the church. But right. it's worth kind of noting, we're going to be jumping through the letters of First and Second Timothy to kind of find the, the moments where Paul is really giving Timothy those deep learning nuggets or those questions that he really needs to wrestle with in order to be a successful leader and to continue to make a difference. Right. Looking for those moments of clarity. Yep. So I think today we may reference 2 Timothy a little bit, but we're mainly going to stick to 1 Timothy chapter 1. That's right. Um, so if you were to crack that open, you would see, and just and if you were to crack that open in your Bible, if your Bible has little subheadings, you would see there's a section on uh, warning against false teachers. And then there's a section, at least in my scripture, that's titled Gratitude for Mercy. Um, That first section is verses 3 through 11, and it is exactly what it sounds like. It is Paul warning Timothy of the dangers uh, that false teachers can can give to him and give to his local church. Yeah, and so there are people out there in the world. There are people 
even in a church, who disagree. Shocker. I know it is a crazy yeah. thing Wild. to mention. Wild. Not everybody in a church is on the same page. Yeah. And, and so one of the questions that you deal with is like, who is right? Mm. You know, mm-hmm. who's, got, who's got the most accurate information out there? And, you know, most of the time people would look at, I don't know, the people that went to school and studied this stuff, the uh, clergy uh, that are there. But, you know, in some denominations, um, they don't really worry too much about theological training. And so right. it's possible that uh, that person may not know a lot uh, about the ways in which Scripture is mm-hmm. um, is sort of translated or even understood. Mm-hmm. But you also have people who are in popular culture, right? you know, Christian uh, paperback, uh, Christian videos on YouTube. You've got you're swimming in the possibility of encountering uh, layers upon layers, uh, versions upon versions of readings of the Bible that can sometimes support one another, but sometimes contradict each other. Yeah. And that's all happening right now. I mean, if you think about it, that's always been around, but with the internet, uh, with modern technology, with TV channels, with preachers and televangelists, all of this is just exploding, and there's never been a time where we weren't uh, as inundated with this as yeah, we— with options, right. right? I mean, I feel like I feel like we live in a world where we can find someone that will advocate for whatever we want to find someone advocating for, right? It, it, we can find someone that'll tell us just about any view we hold is right and righteous and faithful. And so, Paul, we, we've talked about this, you and I together, that— Paul really wants us to focus on uh, Jesus. He wants us to focus on what he said, not uh, trying to take sides on which pastor you like the best. Right. That's from yeah. 1 Corinthians. Yeah, the whole Paul versus Apollos thing, right? right. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, we're not, we're not trying to get into that vein right now, but what we're trying to say is, is that Paul is acutely aware that there are people out there um, who may have gotten blown off course in their faith. They may have misunderstood something um and or or maybe they they simply have become enthralled by something that is not from God mm. and, and and you know what's interesting is that sometimes the most passionate people aren't always the most accurate people mm. you know the loudest person in the room is not always the most right person in the room mm. and that's one of the things that he's trying to counsel Timothy in is to be aware that uh you know, there will be some people who are not the right teachers. Yeah, there'll be other really loud voices. And you need to learn how to deal with that. And so he kind of gets into how to deal with it uh, in verses, I guess you could say 18 through 20 of chapter one. Um, And, you know, I think you're probably going to listen to Mike and I like wrestle this a little bit because what Paul says is it feels kind of cryptic, but it also feels clear at the same time. Um, He tells Timothy that he needs to have faith and good conscience. And then he goes on to say that, that if he were to reject conscience, then he would end up shipwrecked, like a few false teachers have ended up shipwrecked, and he names a few false teachers there. So it seems like you're navigating this world that is full of, of messages that aren't true, right? Messages that aren't actually from God shipwrecked people, right, I guess would be the language that, that Paul's using here. And the way to navigate that is to have faith, which seems clear enough, right? right? Right. And then to have good conscience. What do we do with that? Right. So 
so, you know, if you're following along with us in your Bibles, this is uh, chapter one, verses 19 and 20 right. specifically, right. but it's eight, 18 through 20 for the whole thing. And and he does. He says that you need to have faith and good conscience. Those are the things that are going to keep you, my word here, grounded. Yeah, so that, so that you may fight the good fight is right. what Paul says. In right. order to fight the good fight, you need to have faith and you need to have good conscience. And anybody who's ever been in a real fight, which I, I haven't, I mean, I fought with brothers, you know, I fought with, you know, just playing around with, with friends. But if you're going to have, uh, if you're going to be successful in a fight, you've got to be on good ground. You've got to be on solid ground so that you can stand yeah. your ground. And in a sense, Anakin, Anakin, he had the high ground. That's what was he thinking, man? That's right. Yeah. Anakin made the wrong decision because Obi-Wan. He told him, he said, Anakin, I have the high ground. Idiot. Anyway, carry on. Wow, we just went Star Wars. Yeah. We can't, I can't <laughs> talk about high ground in a fight and not think about that. I mean, come on, man. All right. So, um, you know, you've got to be on good ground. And, and that's one thing that Paul seems to be saying to Timothy is, is if you're, if you're going to sustain some of these issues of teachers that disagree with you, then you've got to be grounded. You've got to have this sort of faith and conscience that keep you solid amidst it because you may be pushed or pulled. Uh, you may even have, um, you know, threats put against you. You've got to stay grounded. Otherwise, you may slip or even become shipwrecked yourself. So let's talk about the shipwreck thing because I think that would be helpful. Yeah. Okay. So I guess let's let's read the the scripture that references that. Right. So it's the it's the latter half of nineteen. Yeah. By rejecting conscience, certain persons have suffered shipwreck in the faith. So you know, and I think this is what we've been wrestling with. I think it's very interesting how Paul ties together these two things: faith and conscience, leading to shipwreck. By abandoning conscience, some people have become shipwrecked in the faith. Right. So what in the world does that mean? So the people, the people that he references in verse twenty, and I'm not going to be able to pronounce their name. Maybe Hymenaeus. Hymenaeus also pops up in Second Timothy. Is it chapter twelve? Is that is that what it is? Second Timothy two seventeen. Two seventeen, and we learn that Hymenaeus was a false teacher that was advocating for a belief that the resurrection had already happened. So, in other words, not only had Christ already been resurrected, all humans had already been resurrected, and that was the reality that we were living in. So, therefore, there was no reason to follow the law or to have faith in Christ. So that helps it make a little bit more sense as far as what being shipwrecked in the faith looks like, at least what Paul is referencing here, because that person did not believe. I mean, they had lost faith, right? Because they had come to believe false doctrine. And, and, and if you think about it, if, if the war is already won, if, if the resurrection has already happened to you, then it's finished. We're right. done. Right. So I don't need to have a good conscience. I don't have to live a good life. That makes all the sense in the world that that's not right. But if you have fallen into kind of bad thinking or false doctrine, sometimes it can be hard to see correctly. And, and so what he's basically saying is uh, this guy, Hymenaeus, uh, and Alexander is the other person listed, they, they're shipwrecked. Uh, they've, they've already gone over. doesn't mean they can't be saved uh, and brought back, but it just means that, that they're, they're, they're um, danger zones in a sense. And you've got to be able to avoid that because once you're shipwrecked, it's difficult to get out of that. And I think that's kind of where we ended up going with this, right? So understanding the realization that we as people of faith, we as a people that want to keep growing, we as a people that want to become leaders, we are going to encounter people that are shipwrecked, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's just, it's going to happen. So maybe the question for us becomes, 
how do we do that and not become shipwrecked ourselves? Right. Because I feel like, in a sense, that's what Paul is trying to coach Timothy up on here. Like, there's people all around you that are shipwrecked. There's people all around you that are false teachers, that have gone astray, that have lost their conscience, that are have a crisis of faith and are leading people astray. You have to remain grounded in faith and good conscience so that you can encounter these people and not become shipwrecked yourself. Right. And so, you know, when I look at this, I think about this idea of, uh, of understanding that every one of us is broken. Every one of us is uh, hurt in some way. Every one of us has the possibility of not really doing everything the way we should all the time, which right. means that we always have to be careful around one another. Mm-hmm. We can learn to trust one another. We can learn to rely on e- each other, but we also have to be to understand that other people are not our saviors. Mm-hmm. Other people are not the ones that are going mm-hmm. to, you know, in, in a sense, fix us. Mm-hmm. And so when we're looking at someone else, we've got to have the mindset of, um, you know, I want to be careful. Uh, I want to be uh, mindful of, of the situation. And I want to be sure that I can be uh, who I am around you. Mm-hmm. And again, that can almost seem like we're isolating ourselves, but that's not what he's saying. He's not telling them to get away from these people. He's saying, you've got to be grounded in order to deal with these people. Mm-hmm. So you've got to have a good conscience. You got to have faith. You got to have a good solid mindset so that you can be in ministry around or even to folks like this. Right. Right. Because I don't think our call as Christians are to avoid people like this. No. I think our call is is to engage them with the hopes that we will be able to show them the face of Jesus, right? Um, yeah. So. And we don't want to get into like a, a shouting match or an no, argument no, no, no. because yeah. even though that, that might be tempting because we think we're right, you know, the second we get into that, we are uh, losing our groundedness and getting into the point in which we may end up doing something that's either harmful to them, harmful to us, or harmful to our witness. And uh, we don't want to do that either. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know very many people who changed because they lost an argument. Mm-hmm. I think most people are changed because they are loved mm-hmm. and, and encouraged uh, and have to because there is no other way than forward. So, you know, I, I, I do think that that was one thing that, that Paul has got to get across to Timothy is you got to be careful. You have to be mindful, but you also cannot avoid. You've got to get out there and you've got to be grounded in order to do that. So when I think about, you know, being grounded, I, I kind of think about <laughs> what happens when we get on an airplane. Um, <sighs> you know, they t- teach us how to buckle our seatbelts because we've never done that before. Uh, they tell us about True. flotation uh, devices yeah. in our seats. Yeah. And then they also say, if we lose pressure, there's going to be an oxygen mask that falls down mm-hmm. in front of you. And even though you parent or guardian are sitting next to a child, even though you probably think the most important thing you can do is to put that mask on the child first, don't do that. You've got to be aware, cognizant, capable of helping that child. And so you've got to put your mask on first before you put it on that child. You also started to, uh, to talk about your days as a, as a bronzed cut up lifeguards saving lives. And yes. now you thought about this term shipwrecked with, with that in mind. Too. Yeah. And so here's, here's another example uh, of what that was. Now, bronzed? No, no. 
No. Um, you know, I was not out there. Sure, 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 the sure. Sun. Sure, Mike. I sure. was in the cabana with my sure, with my whistle. Sure, sure, sure. So so I was a lifeguard in in college in my first couple of years before I started working for a church in West Columbia, South Carolina. And I remember going through all the lifeguard training. And one of the things that they tell you is that if somebody is actively drowning, yes, you need to go after them. However, if they begin to fight you, uh, which sometimes happens when people are in that death ex- yeah. near-death well, the, experience. The, the fight or flight. Yeah. 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 They're, they're not thinking uh, rationally. They are trying to stay afloat. And they will, uh, without you know, unconsciously, try to use you as a raft. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have the potential to take you down. And so what they teach you is, is that you try to help the person, but if they're fighting you, you back off and you let them fight the water. And once they go under, you swim over to them and get them and take them to the shore because you have a better chance of saving their life without them fighting you mm-hmm. than with them fighting. Mm-hmm. You. And it sounds ludicrous, but the whole idea is you've got to stay grounded. You've got to stay afloat so that you can help that person. And sometimes you have to give somebody a little bit of distance um, before you can get to them. Sometimes you've got to maintain your safety so that you can help them. And sometimes you've got to also go right into the thick of things with them and be with them and help them. But to do so in, in sort of that understanding that, you know, you're there as a witness, you're there as, as a friend, you're there to help. You're not the savior. So the lifeguard thing is kind of like a, you know, saving person. That's not the point. The point is, is that sometimes uh, people who are not conscious of their, um, you know, fight or flight uh, scenario will sometimes take you down. Being shipwrecked sometimes will force you to shipwreck others. You've heard it probably before. Right. Hurt people, hurt people. So I guess, I mean, I'm sitting here trying to think of, of uh, you know, practically what are we really supposed to do with this, right? So Paul is telling Timothy, Listen, you're going to run into shipwrecked people in your ministry. You probably already have, right? It's, you know that you're surrounded by false teachers. Two important things, faith and good conscience, so that when you encounter these folks, you yourself are not going to be led astray. Um, I mean, how do we cultivate faith and good conscience, right? And I feel like we're going to end up saying really familiar things. Yes. Um, but Stuff we've talked about yeah, in and, the previous and, 10 you know, episodes. Maybe that's the... Maybe that's the whole point of this of this whole growing deeper thing is that it's it's not rocket science. Uh, it's really more based in consistency and, and faithfulness to, uh, to to desire for growth. But I mean, how do we cultivate that? What how do we uh, create space for those things in our life? So so one way to look at it, and we we may cover some of this next week as well, uh, comes from First uh, Timothy chapter six. Uh, and in First Timothy chapter six verse eleven, we get a list of things that we're supposed to focus on, or at least Timothy's supposed to focus on, in order to stay grounded. So when you're talking about spiritual health, when you're talking about emotional health, you know, being grounded is not just being stable, right? Uh, being being stable um, is is not the point of health, right? Uh, growth is health, mm. right? And so what what Paul basically tes- says to Timothy is. A, in a roundabout way, you know, if faith and good conscience is your goal, then you've got to focus on um, things. You've got to focus on righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, endur- endurance, and gentleness. And so, and again, he he kind of echoes that fight the good fight mm-hmm. uh, that he said earlier in the letter. But the whole idea is that 
if you want to be grounded, you've got to actively pursue good things in your life, which I think is how he connects faith and good conscience. If conscience yeah. is that thing that's a kind of in our minds that, that tells us, hey, this is right. Hey, this is wrong. Sometimes we try to argue with our conscience and say, well, this bad thing will be actually be good mm-hmm. for us. Faith helps us when have a fa- good yeah, conscience. When faith informs our conscience, maybe a good way to put it. And, or, and, and or fuels it. This is what I meant yeah. by I think you're going to listen to us wrestle with this a little bit because we're still trying to kind of figure out what we're supposed to do with this. But yeah, when, when faith fuels our conscience, when faith orients our conscience, when faith informs our conscience, maybe that's when we can find ourselves in that grounded place spiritually. Right. So, you know, if we're to take anything away from this, to be grounded uh, spiritually, emotionally, physically, all that means pursuing good things. If we are going to do these things, loving God, loving our neighbor, doing good things for others, you know, making sure that we are keeping our minds uh, focused on positive, helpful, uh, you know, community benefiting things, then we're going to have less bandwidth in our, um, you know, spiritual, emotional self to be soaked into the bad things. You know, the right. more that we're focused on the right direction, the, the less likely we are to get shipwrecked in the wrong direction. Mm. Mm. So I think Paul is basically telling him, don't sleep on your good conscience. Don't glide through life because the second you start coasting, you start slipping into territory where you can be mm. blown off course. Mm. I think I would encourage all of you listening to, uh, if you haven't already, crack your Bibles open, and why don't you just read First Timothy 1 through 20, and you spend some time meditating on this, because this is kind of where we've been led with it. I'd be curious to see um, where you feel the Spirit pulling you when you, uh, when you read this passage, because it is. It's, and maybe you see what, what I meant now in the beginning, like it's practical, but it also feels a little cryptic at the same time. Um, but I do think there's some real teeth here that, that, we, can, uh, that we can gain a lot from. I, I agree. And I think that if we can consider that this is a mentor, a supervisor, talking to someone, being entrusted, not, not basically sitting in a classroom. This is somebody who's on the ground. And, 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 yeah, and Timothy seems here to be receiving very open-ended direction. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, which I think it makes it kind of fun. It does, because in a sense— Timothy's been entrusted to figure out how to make this work mm. in his circumstance, mm-hmm. in his community, and in his life. He, you know, growth is not always a step-by-step process. Sometimes it is about taking the things that we are learning and applying it into our own existence. And Paul must know something about how to teach somebody because here is Timothy who is doing very well. He still needs a teacher, and I think we all do. Mm. Well, I feel like that's it. Is that all we have? I think that's it for this week. We're going to continue, of course, next week talking uh, about Timothy and what we can learn from his example and from the way Paul encourages and teaches him. That's right. We'll catch you next week. See you.